0: You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington, and we have services meeting each week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can also join us online live at our 11 a.m. service each Sunday. If you'd like to know more about Axe Church Northwest, you can go to axechurchnw.org. Now enjoy the sermon.
1: So, when I was in high school, I worked at a retirement home and I washed dishes. And that got kind of boring after a while because you do the same things over and over again. And so my mind used to race and think of things, what I could do. And one day, they were having, at their, at the retirement home, they were having turkey dinner. And the turkey, they they had these huge, huge turkeys. And I was looking over at those turkeys, and I saw this, wing that came out, and it was so huge. That bone was so huge, I I just thought, you know, that really looks kind of like the end of an arm bone, and, and uh, what could I do with that? And so I went over and got it, and cleaned it up, and had it uh, with me, and then I uh, took it and pulled my shirt sleeve out and put it in my shirt so it was hanging out, just the bone. And uh, we used to uh, clean the garbage disposal by dropping broken dishes, which the waitresses that worked there would do so often. And so I put some of the, that cup into, the broken cup into the garbage disposal, and I turned it on, and it made just a horrible racket, you know. And I, and I stuck that turkey bone at the top of the garbage disposal, and I just started screaming, ah! And I had gotten some ketchup and put it on the end of that bone. And then I pulled it out, and I had this, this turkey bone hanging out my arm with just ketchup on the end of it. And uh, they all came to see what was going on, and and the girls were just going, ah, And they are all having a huge reaction to this, this stump that was out there with the ketchup on it. And then I got to thinking, which, you know, I shouldn't have done, but I got to thinking wouldn't it be kind of fun to go over to the infirmary where the nurses are and see what kind of reaction I get from them? So I went over to the infirmary, but I had to go outdoors in order to do that. And when I went outdoors, there was a woman standing on her balcony, and she looked down and she saw that bone with the ketchup on it, and she just fainted dead away. And uh, I was afraid to ask if anybody died of a heart attack that day, but I, I think I might have not have done a very good job at uh, that kind of a thing. But anyway, you do things when you're in high school that you don't do at other times. And uh, it's good for that. I'm glad about that. But this morning I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. How do we hear the voice of God? How do we know when God's talking to us, when He's communicating With us, there's a familiar movie, Cool Hand Luke, where the wardens say, What we have here is a failure to communicate. And that's not good when it comes to the Lord. We need to have communication from the Lord. And he wants to speak to us, he wants us to hear him. You know, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And so it's important for us to understand that communication is very, very important. So I want to talk to you about four ways in which God communicates with us. And I think that I've kind of listed them in the area of priority. I think that God, first of all, and foremost, wants to talk to us vocally. He wants to talk to us directly. I shouldn't have said vocally, because that's very, very, exceedingly rare. But he does want to communicate to us directly. He wants to communicate us directly. Now vocally is one method in which that is done to uh, us and can happen. I've never heard God speak to me vocally in my entire life, and I've never met anybody who has heard the voice of God vocally. In my entire life, that isn't to say that that doesn't happen, but it's just not a very common thing. When I was in college, we had a guy who, who was a really nice guy. I was in a Christian college, and so Christians play Christian pranks, and uh, or I should say, they aren't really Christian when you're pulling the prank, but they, but they're with the Christian Christian emphasis involved. And he would uh, every night he would. He would pray in his room, and he was and he and he was really wanting to know what God wanted him to do. Well, one of the guys in the dorm had this really fantastic sound system, and this was clear back in the late sixties, so fantastic sound wasn't like fantastic sound today, but it was good it was really, really good and so we went into his room, we hooked up the speakers in the hidden spot, and uh, we hooked up a microphone and That night, he went to pray, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then from the other room with a mic, somebody said, I want you to be a missionary in Africa. And, uh, you know, he actually thought that was real. But I don't think that God speaks to us vocally at a very common thing. It's not a very common thing at all. But it is possible. He spoke to Samuel. You remember? When Samuel was just a little child, and he heard a voice, and Samuel says, "You know, the next time you hear that voice, speak. Say, speak for your servant hears." It's found in 1 Samuel 3:10. Uh, that actually happened. We know he spoke to Moses face to face. We know, we know that people throughout time have been spoken to by the Lord with a vocal voice. In fact, in Exodus 20:20. 20, 20, when God's giving the Ten Commandments, He began by speaking to them, and the people were in were scared. They were afraid. They heard this voice that was giving this information, and they and they knew it was God, and they and they feared. So they said, "Moses, you go speak with him. <laughs> you know, you go you go talk to him. We we we're, we're not really very good at that kind of thing." So we do know that God has spoken vocally, but like I said, I don't think that's common. I think it's very, very, very rare, but it can happen. Two, or the second way uh, he can speak to us, is in dreams and visions. In Daniel chapter 7, one it says, Daniel had a dream and visions. And we know that that's been the case throughout history. That God has spoken in dreams and in visions. In fact, it's prophesied in the last day: the young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. It's it's, or it's the opposite way. One of the two, <laughs> but dreams and visions are another way in which God can speak to us. Now, I've had dreams, and I think God has spoken to me in my dreams. I don't think that that's an uncommon. Thing I haven't had any visions. The only vision I ever had was of Denise, that beautiful woman. She was just a vision of beauty. But I haven't had any visions from God, but I've had dreams where God has spoken to us, spoken to me. And I think that, that may be, be very common. I think that the people had visions. I've talked to people who've had visions, and I think that that's a legitimate thing that happens And very well could happen to you. You just need to be prepared for it and be ready to understand that God is speaking to you through visions. Then thirdly, I think He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit directly to our hearts and to our soul, to our mind. Our soul includes the mind, will, and emotions. But in that we have the mind, we have the intellect and the understanding uh, but I do believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks directly to us right into our soul. And He, we get these thoughts, we get these ideas that come to us. Now, I've had that is the most common way in which God has spoken to me. In fact, there's been times in my life when God's spoken that way, and I really wasn't paying much attention to that. It was God and I thought it was my own thoughts. One case was early on when uh, I was a strong John MacArthur follower and he said that signs and wonders were done with and, you know, that, that was a time for a certain time and so forth and so on. I was a strong believer in that. And God spoke to me and he said, I want you to go pray for this woman. And it was the daughter of the treasurer of the church. She didn't come to our church. She lived uh, several cities away. And uh, I didn't know her. But there was this thought, you should go pray for her because she's going to have surgery. She had gone to the post office. She was coming down the steps and slipped and broke her back. And she's going to have to have surgery on her back. And so... I, I I thought you know it would be nice to pray for, her. but first of all, I have no idea where she lives. I have no idea how to get in touch with her other than her mother, and and uh, so this must just be a, some thought that's racing through my mind. Maybe it's yesterday's pizza or something. I don't know, but I I didn't make sense to me. So I just said, nah, I'm I'm not going to do that. And it came again and and again and again, and I was finally I realized. I'm not arguing with myself because I already made up my mind. I already knew what I was going to (laughs) do. I was arguing with God. As soon as I realized that I was arguing with God, I went directly over to this mother's house. The mother of the daughter with a broken back. And uh, when I got there, I didn't know how I was going to, Talked to her about this because it was totally out of my realm, you know. After all, I was a Quaker at the time, you know. Uh, We're kind of conservative. We we really don't do those kind of things, or at that time we sure didn't. And uh, so I didn't know how I was going to approach the subject. So while I was trying to think of how to do it, there came a knock at the door. (laughs) Now you talk about God and the way he works. And, and he was speaking to me, and I knew he was speaking to me, and this absolutely confirmed it because the person at the door was the daughter who was going into for surgery the next day, and she was dropping some things off to her mother, going over with some of the information about the surgery. So I didn't have to go find her. God sent her there while I was there at her mother's home. To make a long story short, I, I did pray for her, and God miraculously healed her back. The surgeon did not do surgery because they took x-rays, as they often do, the day of the surgery, and they couldn't find any problem with her back. They sent her home. But I knew God spoke to me that day. I knew it. And that's how God does. He, he speaks to us directly by, by His Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26 it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance of all things that, that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is, is the one who's speaking to us. He's speaking to us. He's given us revelation. He's given us understanding. He gives us information. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. Second Peter 1. 21, it says, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit speaking to them, moving them, inspiring them. 1 John 2, verse 27 says, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which you have received from him abides in you, and you don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it's not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. So we know we receive teaching from the Holy Spirit. We know that that, that happens. That's, it's direct communication from God. God directly speaks to us by His Holy Spirit. That's the most common in my realm of people that I know. Is the Holy Spirit speaking directly to our hearts. Speaking directly to us. So that's the first way. Now, sometimes for obvious reasons, we may not be hearing the voice of the Lord. We can be involved in sin. And we know that sin separates us from the Father, from hearing from God. and He can override that, but generally speaking, if you're walking in sin, you're not going to get a whole lot of information from the Holy Spirit except to repent, but to turn away, but to make right that sin. But you're not going to get direction, you're not going to get revelation, you're not going to get those things. So, it's the Spirit that does that. It's the Spirit who teaches us and and is with us. But sin can stop that from happening. We can put it off as some other thing. We could actually receive the information and not accept it. Now, that's not an uncommon thing when I explain this to you. Sometimes God asks us to do something that we don't want to do. (laughs) An example of that is Jonah. (laughs) God said to Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. He didn't want to do it. He ran the other way. You can act in rebellion. You can disregard. You can pay no attention to the promptings of the Lord. And then you're not going to hear anything. You're going to start to have other things happen in your life. Psalm forty six ten says, "Be still, and know that I am God." In Psalm fifty eight, excuse me, Psalm eighty five eight, says, "I will hear what God, the Lord, will speak." If I'm be still, you know, if you're talking all the time, it's very difficult to hear. That's why God gave you two ears and only one mouth. You're supposed to be listening. Waiting on the Lord to hear from him. Not jumping in front. Not coming with your own agenda. Not all those different things. But just waiting in stillness for the Lord to speak. Communing. Communing leads to communication. To commune with the Lord. Just to wait upon the Lord. Just to wait to hear from him. He will speak to you. You're his child. He he wants you to know things. He wants to communicate with you. Now secondly, I think that if we are, for reasons I've already talked about, not listening to God, not hearing God, I think God moves to another step. And that is through his word. The writer of Hebrews says, For the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts right to discerning the thoughts of our heart. And the Word of God can penetrate, can touch us. We may not be listening, but all of a sudden we hear the Word of God or we read the Word of God. A lot of times it's the latter we're reading the Word of God, and all of a sudden we're struck. (laughs) All of a sudden we realize God begins to speak to us. And He works through the Word of God. He works through His Word. Even when we're in fellowship with the Lord, He speaks through His Word. And the Holy Spirit. Because remember the Holy Spirit is the one who interprets all those things. The things that are spiritual can't be understood by carnal, by those who are fleshly, by those who are unsaved. It has to be understood by those who are spiritually discerned. Spiritually understood. So the Word of God can fall upon deaf ears. But the Word of God also can awaken people. It can be strong. It can be powerful. It is. It's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so the Word of God will speak to us. It can bring us discernment. It can bring us help. It can give us understanding. For instance, oftentimes when you're trying to discern the will of God, you can ask yourself some questions. Does this go against the Scripture? Because God's not going to lead you in an area that's against the Scripture. So if the Scripture speaks to you about something and you realize, okay, then that certainly isn't the way I'm going to go because the way I'm going to go would violate that. It gives you an understanding. It gives you parameters. It gives you wisdom. So the Word of God will speak to you. Once again, the Word of God works in conjunction with that first method of direction, directly speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. The Word of God becomes more powerful as the Holy Spirit is moving in it. And so you'll see through the Word of God what you should do, for instance. Psalm 119, verse 105, and by the way, Psalm 119 is the longest in the Bible of, the, of chapters, as they have called chapters. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How do I receive direction? By receiving light. By receiving revelation. By receiving guidance. And your word brings that into my life. What... Well, Where should I go? What should I do? Your word will confirm, will direct, will give understanding into what God wants you to do. So the word of God becomes powerful in that communication way as well. Third, if we're not really listening to the word or letting it penetrate us and we're not In communion with God, we're not receiving anything from him directly. Then I think the third thing that happens is he speaks through people. And he speaks through people in all different ways. Even even children sometimes (laughs) will speak to us and God will use what they say to turn us around. It's amazing. You'd be surprised at how many children have brought their parents to the Lord by asking them to come to church with them where they hear the gospel and become saved. But God can use anything to speak to us. But he uses people. And that's part of his chosen method of reaching us is through people. In Galatians 6, it says, if a brother's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go and restore that person. And that, that word restored in the Greek is the word kartotismo, which means to mend better than new. It's a, it was a fishing term when, they would, when they'd fix the knots in the net if it had broken They actually made it stronger. That knot will never break again before the other ones fail. That's how strong it is. So the idea is that the people go to the person who is in a fault, who is facing trouble, and they restore them to a stronger place than they were before. God uses people to speak to us. God uses people to restore us. God uses people to lift us up. And so people become an important part of God's communication to us. It's people who do something kind to us that we recognize is from God and draws us back to God. Cards, letters, prayers, all these different things that people do that affect our lives that bring us back into communication, back into communion with God. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God placed in the church people to be used by Him. And for what is their purpose? To bring about edification, salvation. To bring about exhortation, admonition. And even at times exhort, exhortation. To edify, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. It's the reason that we gather together is because when we come together, we help build up one another, we help strengthen one another. People become an important part of our spiritual health. It's people who disciple, people who mentor, people who care, who nurture, who give firsthand face-to-face encounter. Now, these all can be used outside of the way I'm prioritizing them here. We certainly know that as a believer, we can be helped and instructed by people. We know we can be encouraged by people. We know that all those things that bring positive things in our lives can be done. doesn't mean that if you do the first, the others don't have any effect. They certainly do they just become even more powerful. But in, a, in the sense of somebody who's walking away, if they're not listening to God, if they're not reading the word, if their hearts grow cold, then God will send a person into their life. Prophets of old were sent to the people who weren't paying attention to God. And they would speak to them it's how God spoke He spoke through prophets in Hebrews it tells us that. in various times, in various ways, God spoken through His prophets, it says. So we know that that's the case. that people are used of God to bring us back to God, but also to encourage us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to build us up, to bring us into unity. There's something powerful about a group of people. Now, I can have some pretty strong time of prayer by myself. But it seems like the fire is a little bit stronger when there's more than one. (laughs) And where two or three are gathered, there seems to be something that goes on there, something that happens there, something that strengthens and encourages At one time, there was a movement called Promise Keepers. Some of you may even know of Promise Keepers. They're they're still around, actually. But at this particular time, they were very, very strong. They were filling stadiums full of men. It was a men's ministry calling men to be powerful in their home, in their church, in their spiritual lives, calling them to be the priests, Of their home and leader, and it was a very, very strong, strong movement. So, a whole stadium, Otson Stadium, was full. I was there when it was absolutely full, of just men. I want to tell you something. There's something about when you get thousands of men together, (laughs) and they're singing to the Lord, and the stadium is rattling with enthusiasm. And excitement about God. There's something powerful about the dynamic of that group. That's pretty powerful. Just being there stimulates. (laughs) It really makes you come alive. It's very easy to flow in the spirit. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, as it says in the scripture. That's the importance of people in our lives is very, very important. And the gathering of God's church in person is powerful. There's something about the gathering together, the dynamic that takes place when we're worshiping together, praying together, being together smiling at one another, having fellowship with one another, reaching out to one another. I ran the seniors ministry at a church, large church, and we would uh, take trips. And we bought a luxury bus because the school bus beat us to death. I mean, we'd go on a trip, and with your knees stuck up in those steel back seat of the Seat in front of you because they were made for kids. They weren't made for uh, larger people. Very uncomfortable. Stiff seat. And you just bounce like crazy. And it was horrible. So we bought a luxury bus. And we sit down in there. You could just recline. We had television. We had uh, uh, music playing. But there was so much ministry done in that bus, I can't tell you. I watched as people got together in little groups and shared with one another. A lot of the sharing wasn't about the weather. (laughs) It was about my grandson needs prayer. Well, let's pray right now. Let's just go to the Lord and beseech him on behalf of your grandchild. A lot of ministry, just ministry, the people, God's people getting together and shared. Now, we we're going someplace, but instead of wasting the time traveling, we did ministry. We sang together. We prayed together. We had some fantastic times of worship on that bus. People came to know the Lord through that bus. Somebody invited a friend <coughs> who was unsaved. They go on a trip with us. and the next thing you know, they want to know the Lord too. There's something powerful about the fellowship of believers. We have home groups that meet. And if you're in a good home group, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something there, the connection there. We have people looking forward to the next week of coming just so they can spend time with those believers who encourage and carry them and they pray for one another. They share each other's lives. And we eat. Something Christians can do, we can eat. Just not supposed to be gluttonous. I try not to be. (laughs) But the power of people is impressive. The power of people is, is one of the ways God speaks to us, communicates with us, and I think even empowers at a greater level. Now, let's just say for a moment that you're still not listening. You don't listen to God speaking to you. You don't read his word. You don't listen to the people, the counselors, the people who care about you. You don't listen to them either. You just throw them away. Then we get into the Jonah situation. Remember I told you Jonah was told to go to Nineveh? That's what God wanted him to do. Well, God wants to have you in communication with him. So Jonah takes a boat ride in the opposite direction. And what happens is the sea starts tossing and they're going to all die. And Jonah finally says, You know, guys, I'm the one who's causing all this. Throw me overboard. And they didn't want to do it. I mean, who wants to throw somebody into a raging sea? But he said, Throw me over. And maybe, just maybe he's thinking, I'm still not going to Nineveh. Even if I drown, I'm not going to Nineveh. I mean, he may have thought that. I, I kinda would understand that thinking because I've met people who are very, very stubborn. I'm not going to name names. But they tossed him into the is a sea. It says he was swallowed by a great fish. Spent three days and three nights in the fish. How that was done, God knows. He's a God of miracles. But anyway, he came to his senses and spewed up on the land. And guess what he ended up doing? He ended up going preaching to Nineveh. See, God has a way of getting our attention. God has a way of getting to us one way or another. Another example is the prodigal son who left his father and went to a far country And spent his inheritance. All his friends were gone. All his money was gone. Ended up clear to the point where he was. Eating the same thing the pigs eat. And in Jewish system. You got to understand. Pigs were unclean because of what they ate. They couldn't eat a pig. Let alone what the pigs ate. And he was eating that. Good Jewish boy. Eating pig slop. And by the way we had. Pigs on my grandparents farm. I saw some of the slop. When they say slop, they mean slop. And they grunge it around in the mud and everything else. Ugh. He was eating that. And it says, and he came to his senses. It's about time. (laughs) It's about time he came to his senses. He came to his senses, and what did he do? He says, it's better to be a servant in my father's household than where I am now. And headed home. When he got there, his father was looking from afar off. I had a feeling that his dad was looking for him the whole time. This is our father is looking for us. He's waiting for us to come back. And and what was the welcome? Was it, I told you so. You sure made stupid mistakes. No, that's not what he did. He greeted him, kissed him, threw a big feast in his favor. He loved him as God loves us. And so even if we go to the final situation of circumstances, God loves us. But circumstances come in speaking to us also in other ways. You might have heard the term. God closed the door. I was going to do this and it's just very clearly God didn't want me to go that direction. I still didn't know where I was supposed to go but I knew it wasn't there. You've probably heard that. That God can use circumstances in our lives. And I think a lot of us have the circumstance happen in our lives that directs us because God still wants to direct us. He still wants to guide us. He still wants to lead us. He still wants to help us. Whatever way it takes in communication, He's willing to do that. And so circumstances are at the bottom end of that as far as I'm concerned, but they're still powerful. Remember Gideon, and he uh, he says, uh, Lord, I uh, I, I know you want me to do this thing, but I'm not really qualified. You really don't want me. But if you really do, then I want you to do me a miracle. I want you to show me. by if, if I put out this lamb's fleece, then in the morning... It'll be covered with dew, but the ground will have no dew on it. So God humors him. He he understands our weaknesses. And he came out the next day and the fleece was dripping wet and the ground was dry. So Gideon, seeing that as the positive, said, okay, I'm ready to go. That's not what happened. He said, well, maybe that's what happens normally. Maybe I got it backwards. Uh, God, just, just bear with me for a minute, but can I have you keep the fleece dry and the ground around it would do? You know what happened, or you can guess what happened. It came out the next day. The fleece was completely dry, and the ground had dew on it. That's what we call circumstances. That guide. <laughs> so God sometimes authenticates through circumstances, it's not his first way, not in choosing the will of God. His first way is directly, but he may move all the way down to circumstances because of our weakness. I would not suggest that you want to live your life by circumstances. I want to suggest that you want to live your life by hearing from the Word of God directly, hearing from the Lord directly, guided by the Holy Spirit directly, without circumstances being necessary. Those are the four ways in which God communicates with us. Four basic ways that God communicates with us. He communicates with us directly, number one. He communicates through his word, number two. He communicates through people, number three. And he communicates through circumstances, number four. Four ways in which God chooses to communicate with us. It's easier to go with the flow. It's easier just to commune with God. And it really doesn't, he asks us to do that anyway. Paul says, pray without ceasing. What, what is prayer? It's not us speaking to God, it's communication with God. It's him speaking to us and us speaking to him. But in order to pray without ceasing means we're communing with God continually. We're communing with God continually. As soon as that communication is broken, we ought to be right on top of it. When we sin and we do something wrong, we need to get it taken care of immediately. Don't let it linger. If we have a wrong thought, we need to cleanse it. We need to deal with things so that we're constantly in communication with God. Constantly in communication with God. I hope that you are able to do that more and more every day until it becomes normal. That would be fantastic. That would be great. Let's close in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, what a great God you are. We know you love us. We know you care about us. We know that you want the best for us. We know that you want to speak to us, that we're your child. We want to crawl up into your lap and say, Abba, Father. And just be surrounded by you, to be loved by you, to be nurtured by you, to be led by you, to be instructed by you. We can learn so much and gain so much by just listening, just hearing. So help us to have that sensitivity to your spirit, sensitivity to your teaching and communicating to us. And we know that all things will work together for good because of that. Because we're going to be the called according to your purpose. So lead me, O Lord. Guide me, I pray. Strengthen me, lift me, use me, mold me. Melt me. Use me. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior forever and ever. Amen and amen.
0: Thanks again for listening. We hope the Lord blessed you through it. We'd like to invite you to join us on one of our Sunday morning services at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Whether you would just like to find out some more info about Axe Church or if you'd like to plug in and take some next steps in your faith, AxeChurchNW.org is a great place to start. You can also email us at info at There's always more content coming, whether it's on YouTube or on our podcast channel. So be sure to subscribe to both of those to always get the newest content from Axe Church. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed week.